Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Phil Baker. Hey, how about that? That was like a uh, a head fake where you like I was about to start talking and then I was, but I knew there was going to be an intro for you, Phil, because you're in for Luke today, and I appreciate that. Uh, was that? Do you feel like they built up the uh, the drama there for you? I I do think so. It threw me off for a little bit. I heard James Black back here uh, messing around with some things, but it yes, it, it threw me off. So uh, no, appreciate it. Big shoes to fill with the MOP out. I'm sure on his ACC network responsibilities. Yeah, basically, it's uh, we're like the Group of Five show, and then he gets <laughs> the call out to the Power Five show, and that you know we we recommend we we recognize these things. I don't fight against it. Uh, it is what it is, right? No, no, I get it. I, it's always a, a, a pleasant surprise when you turn on the tube and see uh, Luke Hancock either on set or in his basement. I'm always a big fan of that where he has his little setup back there with his little ring camera and whatnot. So uh, the MOP doing work. This is uh, the busy time of year for him, I can only imagine. Do you own a backlight? Like, uh, yeah, you know what? Like it's that? funny. I do. I do. Yeah, I do too. feels weird to... To own one, but I do. I think it's almost uh, essential now for us uh, at this point. What are we doing? Back there, <laughs> Bob, Bob wanted it's me a... to help him with his Lucy app, but I, I thought Nikki V had that uh, taken care of. So I may have to do it at the break. Nikki V said he's going to do it uh, at the break. So Bob is. <laughs> Bob, uh, he's going. Yeah, that's the V show. So basically, they're, they're getting ready to go down to Chapel Hill UNC. Bob's trying to figure out if he can do his show or not on Thursday through the Lucy app. I'm confident uh, that it can work, but I didn't know his password to get into his his burner phone. So that was why we ran into that dilemma. And it's like, and he gets off the air at 3 o'clock. I'm joining you at 3 o'clock. So you can see the dilemma. And I told Nikki V, you've done this 100 times. The force is strong in young Nick Valvano. He can put it together. How, uh, how surprised are you to learn that Bob has a burner phone? I mean, the, plural. Like, Plural. It doesn't seem neat. <laughs> okay, I've underestimated Bob, I guess. Yeah, no, he's got a he's got a few. He he was playing on his phone. I was like, "What's this over here?" It's like, "Oh, it's the old phone that has the Lucy app on there." It's like it it has service. Yes, yeah, so that's uh, you know, Bobby V was hated me. So I was like, "Hey, figure this out and see if the Lucy app works on there." And that's what I was doing during the final hour of the V show. All right, so I, Phil, we've talked about this in the past. I, I always like to look at the uh, the text line. Uh, even though there is that break between the end of uh, middays and us, I always look at sort of the run in, and, and sometimes I enjoy when people text in, like right when the show starts, because that means they're eager and they're they're already listening and they're interactive, and we love all of that. Uh, at two fifty eight, so before we've come on the air, I'd rather have a bump of coke, hit of Molly, or do mushrooms than that BS. No thanks. I have no idea what. <laughs> Is that a commercial or is that like because we were replaying Kenny Payne like the coach's show at the end there? Wow. Okay. I so know. I was going to say, what were Text Bob and Nick talking is. about? I, but then it's getting, I know sometimes the spillover happens between both stations, but no, it was the KP show. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he had Hersey Miller on with him uh, last night at the, from the Kieber Center. So I'm not 100% sure what they were saying on the tail end of the show. Whatever it was, this person's not having it. <laughs> It sounds like like at all Molly and Coke. That's uh, quite the night. Yeah, whatever that was. This person would rather do drugs uh, than that. Maybe it's Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? Boy, he's uh, he, he's making the rounds. That is that whole 
I know you're a Levitard guy, but listening to everyone kind of react to the the McAfee, Aaron Rodgers, and Jimmy Kimmel stuff is has been entertaining to say the least. I've been doing some bidging on some of the podcasts with that and see the reaction to that for the very thing that uh, Levitard trying to be a bull in a china shop of putting up a bull uh, billboard. Uh, nothing compared to what they've had on with uh, Kimmel and Aaron Rodgers in recent weeks. No, not at all. And I don't really have uh, a lot of uh, money to do those sorts of things. Uh, but I, I do think our audience is uniquely um, pro billboard. So that sort of thing would seem to work here. <laughs> yeah, the the, the George wrong. billboards. Uh, you think in Cincinnati yeah. for Seth? Yeah, there's there, there's been more mentions of billboards in the last uh, two years here with uh, the George billboards, and then the uh, thanking uh, Cincinnati for your effort of being Jon Snow and trying to get up a billboard up in Northern Kentucky and uh, Cincinnati for good old Satterfield in the Cincinnati AD and president. I haven't thought about him uh, in a while, to be totally honest with you. Maybe that's just a sign of how good this season went, but I haven't thought about old Scott. Uh, a texture also texted in immediately. Mark, give us all your Baker love go. I, Phil, I got to say, man, uh, I did this obviously in like the ultimate way as a sports fan, just wearing my sports fan hat. Uh, you know, I spent two decades like everybody else making my Tom Brady, whatever jokes you come up with. Uh, only to very, very much embrace him very quickly uh, in Tampa, and it worked out quite well uh, for me. Uh, and I am doing something maybe sort of similar to that with Baker Mayfield. I've been stunned. Uh, I thought they were tanking. I thought that they were going to pay their quarterback $4 million a year to, to get the number one pick, and they'd fire everybody, blow the whole thing up, uh, and instead they're in the divisional round. They've gone, They've won 10 games. I couldn't believe what I watched last night. Well, you've said this story multiple times. I, I want to say, were you working at a grocery or you were bagging something in the, the Bucks owner? Like did no, some. No, it was the Ray owner. Ray's owner. Okay, I knew it was something in there that really stuck with you, and it like made an impression on your childhood. I couldn't remember if it was the Bucks or the Rays. But needless to say, you have been a long-suffering Bucks fan. You've had some bright spots, you know, in the early two thousands. Sure. But your childhood consisted of what? Just losing. Entirely of losing. <laughs> they had a uh, more than ten years in a row of more than ten losses. I mean, it was. It, it was tr it was awful we uh, you know what it's like to go to an nfl game now when i was a kid my dad used to just give me a 20 dollar bill and drop me and my buddy off and like we would just go scalp cheap tickets and get in like that it, it's obviously not like that now but i couldn't believe what i was watching and i think maybe the the, the surprise is kind of equal in both directions uh to watch uh, the uh, an eagles team that was in the super bowl uh, a year ago and, and a lot of people feel like maybe should have won that thing uh, and was it 10 and one and had like the game of the year kind of set up with the 49ers and simply have died since then. I don't really know what other words you could use uh, for them, but that team has completely and totally fallen apart. And look, I'm thrilled that the Bucks overachieved and, and are, are still alive in the playoffs. They have no business beating a team in the playoffs 32 to nine. And they did. Phil, I've, I've just I've not seen a team fall apart so quickly uh, as these Eagles have. This year, no, and look, I know you have a guilty pleasure of this too, and I know Tanner behind the board, and I've talked about this in the past. It's a guilty pleasure to listen to losing markets, uh, sports talk radio. Like I know you do it for you know Bama and after the rolls, but like you'll tweet about it's like, please give me some good links for some post game shows. It is a guilty pleasure of mine. So today I was listening to just for a little bit, but was it ninety seven five the fanatic up in Philadelphia. Yeah. It's going as you can imagine. And just they're just they want to fire everybody from the top to bottom. Like, how did they start as great as they did? And that this is where they ended up. But, uh, you know, if you want it, I'm sure you probably dabbled in some of the Tampa sports talk or some of the podcasts down there to kind of relive, you know, or just beating oh, sure. a, a team that was in the uh, Super Bowl last year. So it, it's one of my favorite things for that. But no, I, I don't think anyone thought that Baker Mayfield was going to be able to do what he's done in Tampa from this. And look, at the NFL, we talk about it all the time. It, it is king. But the storylines and the matchups and just everything that you're getting, there's been some duds over the weekend outside of the, the Lions and Rams games, um, you know, on Sunday night. But other than that, man, it's just like you get Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes coming up next week. Like, 
It's. I feel like it's going to be a fun, fun upcoming week for the NFL playoffs, and I'm loving every second. I always, you know, this time of year, you always really sit down and clamor around the NFL. But man, it's uh, it's a feel good, especially after college football wrapping up, that you can just be laser focused then on the NFL. No, no doubt about that. And I think if you're a Louisville fan, this first weekend, uh, the Super Wildcard weekend, like this was for you. Uh, and Lamar didn't even play, but the number of Louisville guys playing big roles all over the place. It I almost forgot like how prompt like Jair Alexander gets an interception, hands uh, the ball, acts like he's handed the ball uh, to that old lady. Did you see that? Like it looked like he was handed <laughs> the ball over that suite, and I was like, I can only imagine what Jair Alexander is saying to that poor seventy-five-year-old Cowboys fan in that suite. <laughs> it, you're right. There's no telling. It, he, I'm glad that the rest of the country has gotten a little bit of a taste of uh, of just how wildly entertaining uh, he is. John Grenard, Sheldon Rankins, Jaron uh, Christian. Uh, uh, we, great, but we, yeah, we playing. might not want to talk about Grenard. Yeah, Christian. Like, there's a lot <laughs> of card on card crime with Grenard. Oh, that's and true. All that. <laughs> uh, you have Teddy's career extended by a game uh, with the Lions. Made a great catch on the sidelines. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he was a wide receiver after all. <laughs> we were <laughs> those uh, skinny then, knees. You know, last night, last night, Yaya Diaby, uh, fantastic. I mean, they, they couldn't stop talking about he and Kalaja Kansi both uh, for the Bucks. I've been thrilled uh, with where he landed there in Tampa. This has just been fantastic. And Tutu, of course, had the long touchdown for the Rams, even though uh, they lost the game. Uh, there as well. This was for Louisville folks. The wild card weekend was pretty damn fun. Well, and, and I heard Rummage talking about this either yesterday or earlier today, breaking down. It's just like you know, it, it's an infomercial, like with the guys on you know Sunday Night Football with a now I know Lamar is uh, in recent weeks as was at Baldy of Fall University. I think is what he says when he does the player profile. Uh, but no, there's a lot of times where guys up there say Louisville, and I know it's kind of transformed more so into their high schools or peewee football or the neighborhoods that they've grown up in. But yeah, it's a great billboard, especially when you get somebody like Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman talking about it. I want to say I was watching the Manning cast for a little bit and they mentioned something about Yaya uh, Diaby as well. So no, it, it, it's a great infomercial because you, you get inundated with the Georgias and the Alabamas and uh, you know the Texases of the world that get that. But you know, Louisville's the kind of the guy with uh, the tank top at the, the casual party that isn't supposed to have all these guys there you know and but it, it shows to the recent success they've had in the last decade of just putting players in the league texture said that i made a satterfield joke earlier this week y'all talk about him more than i realized it's only tuesday so if i made one yesterday i'm just saying like i haven't i haven't thought about him like at all uh today uh even with brian it was i haven't really thought about him much since brian brown left uh, but I certainly don't get the feeling that things are going especially well there. But I'll try to be more mindful uh, of uh, Satterfield jokes, I guess. Uh, he has to give me some material at some point, though, right? Like, it's pretty boring if they're just going to lose all the time. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think his uh, agent, Jimmy Sexton's cleaned up a little bit over the past week. So I'm sure he's probably not on the top of mind of many, including his own agent with the negotiations he probably had to do in the last uh, 72, 96 hours or so, just getting everybody paid seemingly off the Nick Saban retirement. What do you think Jimmy Sexton's like? Like right now, Scott calls him now. They're like, buddy, you just went four and eight. Like, or yeah, no, yeah, just four and eight. That's a hater button. That's a hater button that where he's just like, I'm on, I'm on, about to get on a jet ski and drink a pina colada. You're the last thing I'm worried worried about right now. Uh, the, the check he's going to collect <laughs> from uh, Nick Saban's retirement is going to be a pretty pretty penny, uh, as well as negotiating uh, for some of his other guys to get extensions on their contracts. I think Jimmy Sexton. I, I joke all the time. You're negotiating with a terrorist when you. See him uh, call, but no, he's uh, he's earned a little week off, I'm sure, from uh, just everything and fielding the calls and contract negotiation that he had to do for all of his clients in the past week or so. Yeah, it, he really it's one of the unique setups in sports uh, to for one guy to be the agent for for every prominent coach and for every prominent opening. Uh, you're either going to hire one of his guys or you're going to pay one of his guys wherever they already are. It's like a, a, a tax almost uh, just because of how influent you, you almost wonder if there's like something you could do about it legally. <laughs> like, no, it feels like a conflict a, of interest. A yeah. racket. Yeah, it feels like a conflict yeah, of interest. Of, like if you have, you know, Sarkeesian that was, you know, putting floated out there, Norvell and whatnot, like you, you're sure like one of the ADs, I'm sure when the Alabama AD was – putting feelers out there it's like wait didn't i just talk to you 
about like one of his own clients. You know, that that's the that's the beauty of this. It's yeah, it feels like a conflict of interest. But you see that if, if you Google Jimmy Sexton right now, I think the first photo that comes up is like him with all the football helmets of all the clients of that he negotiates on behalf of. That shows how he just kind of has a, a a hold on the college football coaching game. He's no, it, it's you don't got to feel good about it, but man, he's um, he's found a nice little avenue for him and his little pocket of college football coaches to get paid, to get extensions, to land at better jobs. He's uh, you know he he's swimming in it right now. Well, look, we got a ton uh, that we are going to uh, get in uh, here. <laughs> Texas wants to know if I had any more guaranteed picks like the under on the Bills game. Now, look, to be fair. That was when they were going to play the game in the weather, not wait for it to be perfectly clear. Oh, the field looked immaculate. Didn't it still go over the original over and under? Am I well? But I was saying take the under because I thought they were going to play in the middle of a hellacious storm. But did like I think it still went over that original one, even with how bad the Steelers looked this season. Like with their no quarterback, no talent on that team. By the way, since we were having this discussion just a little bit about the playoffs, the Bucks over under win total was six and a half for the year. They are in the divisional playoff round. <laughs> I wonder what it was for the Texans uh, this year as I well. I saw you could get one for like plus eight. Oh, God, was it plus 8,000? I saw it on McAfee and company, and those guys were talking about it on the lines that you could have got in May in 2023 last year, I want to say, where you could have gotten to make the Super Bowl was like plus 8,000. Because I tried to do one of those silly parlays of you know predicting all the NFL division winners, and I I got the value in trying to go after like the Carolina Panthers, and that's what just made everything crumble, as you can imagine. I was like, ah, but it, but it's FOMO, right? Like you see somebody, and somebody's got like a million plus followers. If I don't bet it, and I remember seeing, I'll never forgive myself, and that's how they get you hooked in on those beautiful futures parlays that I have yet to hit. Yeah, some of the ones I felt the, the best about. Uh, would have been the Bucks being under, would have been Houston, I think, just having so much work to do. Uh, and props uh, to them. Uh, Phil, I think these these four divisional playoff games are, are going to be wonderful. Uh, I And each kind of in their own way. Like I, really, I think Tampa Bay and Detroit will be competitive. I think Green Bay and San Francisco will be competitive. And, of course, I think all the AFC games have no choice but to be a really, really good and competitive. I cannot wait for this. If they think they got good ratings for the uh, Super Wildcard weekend, this is going to be bonkers. Yeah, and like we talked about, outside of the Lions and Rams game, was there really a good game that you were, you know, from start to finish? Oh, so, no. I, and, and yeah, to to your point, like Lamar Jackson versus CJ Stroud, that's what it kicks off at 4.30 on ESPN at ABC. You can listen to it right here on 93.9. But look, I, I, I'm excited. I was listening to a podcast, and they brought up a great point of just talking about just how this new generation of quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, it's the same Steph Curry effect, right? Like now that everybody shoots threes in the NBA, they, they've grown up watching Lamar Jackson and, and, and Patrick Mahomes, and they're seeing like the non-traditional quarterback, like C.J. Stroud, he grew up probably watching Lamar and, and same with Jordan Love, like a lot of these quarterbacks. So it's like this new generation of quarterbacks that you've seen that it it didn't feel like that the quarterback position could be this. You know, like how everybody was saying like what you're seeing and Lamar Jackson uh, needs to be a wide receiver because we've never seen this. And that's what I'm so excited about, this new generation of young quarterbacks uh, that are out there. And, and even, like, even in the NFC, I mean, you could make the argument that I think Jordan Love's the best quarterback quarterback right <laughs> the NFC right like the remaining like just the storylines with that I'm just thinking out loud that those are some of the things because you got Baker yeah, Mayfield the, the AFC is like the megastar right and the NFC is all like the workman like dudes within the system right it's like you got Jared Goff Baker Mayfield even though he was the number one pick having a resurgence but it's kind of been shopped around in recent years fourth team or whatever precisely and then you got Brock Purdy you got you know, uh, Jordan Love, who's been very impressive, but I mean, like, yeah, it's just the AFC has everybody and all the young talent and the stars, but, you know, the NFC, you're just kind of like, meh, but it doesn't make me any less. I mean, Packers, 49ers, like, those are some of the the brands of the sport. Like, that, yeah, I'm thrilled for the NFL playoffs. Did you guys see the video of, um, it was a year ago when Baker was on the Panthers, he was playing scout team D-Lyman. 
God, I forgot and he was now, on the Panthers for a and second. Now, <laughs> and now his team, or now the Buccaneers are winning the NFC South. They're in the divisional round. And you got to just look at, you got to think like David Tepper is like, ah, maybe, maybe I did kind of mess that up with him. May, just maybe. Yeah, just a little bit. I can tell you this, Tana, the one thing that I'm sure did not happen was David Tepper thinking I might have messed that up. About <laughs> no, it's, it's someone else's uh, fault. <laughs> I got to fire yes. Frank Reich right away because I didn't give him enough talent. But it's Frank Reich's fault. That's why. Yeah, no. What I'm, a disaster they are. And, and I saw, since we're talking about this, I saw uh, not only are the Bucks doing this, uh, they did this with $85 million in dead cap money uh, on the roster uh, this year. So they're going to be positioned uh, to do perhaps even more uh, here in the near future because they just this was the year they were just sort of going to bite the bullet, eat the dead cap money, and then try to re- reestablish themselves. And I would imagine, Phil, I think most people were thinking they're going to tank. Uh, they'll pay Baker $4 million to get through this year. They'll fire Todd Bowles. They'll draft a quarterback number one near the top of the draft hire a new coach to go along with and move on. And instead, uh, they're going to be drafting in the middle of the first round and have a, a head coach that's established and probably have to pay Baker some uh, obscene amount of money, uh, which scares the hell out of me too. But they're winning. What can you do? Well, it, and, and I think it's an interesting case study of just like the NFL as a whole, right? Because you see all these quarterbacks that have had success, but you know it, it kind of dipped a little bit. And, but not giving up on them completely. So obviously you could press the the reset button and go after a new quarterback and try to get that rookie quarterback, but it's like not going not giving up on somebody like Baker Mayfield who you've seen have success in the past and then just kind of been a travel man around the the NFL and going back to it and it was it a great season 9 and 8 but like you said they're playing the Lions in in the divisional round like you have to be pleased with this sometimes you're not going to get the Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen's of the world and that's okay and you could still have success there is it the you know the the, the pretty sexy picks uh to be out there no but he, I mean Baker Mayfield has had success and he's been very serviceable for the Bucks. Yeah, he's been no, he's been nice, uh, and I feel like they kind of need one another. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. Maybe you, you correct me if you think I'm wrong uh, on this. I don't want them to overpay for him. One of the reasons they might have to do that is if there's a big demand uh, for him. But I got to be honest with you, I don't think people are looking at this season and thinking that the Bucks like fixed him. Uh, to where there would be some sort of big demand uh, to pay him a lot of money to go to, go, I don't know, uh, to somebody that needs a quarterback. Is like Washington or Atlanta or or somebody going to pay him any sort of uh, substantial amount of money? I, I can't imagine that they would. Well, and, and, and what is peace of mind, too? I mean, being in a situation where you feel comfortable, obviously I know in the NFL your window is extremely small in terms of you know making your money in there, but I think, no, somebody like Baker Mayfield has the opportunity to maybe take a little less money and be in a situation that he feels comfortable. Hey, like they – they complement each other, as you alluded to. I think that's definitely a situation. It's like, hey, I'll I'll take a million less or whatever that number is. Uh, and, and quite frankly, feel like I feel good in this situation. And then maybe down the road, you can like you. I heard you talk about yesterday with Biscuit. Just you know, the, the Packers. I mean, poor them have just nailed every quarterback that they've wanted to go after. And maybe it's not fair. It's. <laughs> It really isn't. I mean, it's just, I mean, just, it's the same thing with like Alabama that I was talking about, buddies about. It's like, it would have been nice. And we don't know what's going to happen with the board down at Alabama, but it would be nice to see Bama fans have to go after their seventh or eighth pick, you know, like just to sweat a little bit, just to see. And granted, they didn't know what they had in Jordan Love for a little bit, but. Oh, this past week, and you're just like, he seems to be figuring out. But maybe, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield could, if they do. In the next couple of years, uh, you know, draft the up and coming quarterback. He can kind of be the, the vet that gets the next guy prepared. So it, it could be a nice not having to have this superstar type it just reset all the time. Like that can work as well. You're seeing it firsthand with their opponent and Jared Goff too. That was a nice moment. So did that guy? I, I've heard you talk about the GM for the Lions. He he went to your high school, right? Yeah, he and I went to high school together. That's awesome. That's awesome. That 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 was some feel good stuff from uh, the videos over the weekend of Detroit. Yeah, that's easily the best feel-good story of the NFL playoffs. Long-suffering franchise, long-suffering fans, uh, franchise that doesn't have a history of success, Dan Campbell, and everyone remembers the perceptions of, of him at that opening press conference and how weird everyone thought they were. And I'll be damned if he hasn't done exactly what he said he was going to do. 
uh, I'm thoroughly impressed. I remember talking with Steve White, uh, RIP Steve, uh, about this. He played for the Bucs uh, at Tennessee, and, and he thought this is going to be a disaster. Like that, that press conference is like this. These guys are going to roll their eyes at him. No, and they were just dead wrong. He was dead wrong, and he admitted it. Uh, like I've been thoroughly in, uh, impressed with him and the way he's been as businesslike and methodical as he's been, uh, and even you know sort of casting your lot with with Jared Goff and, and it paying off. It's a great, great story, and we're we're looking at right now either Baker and this Bucks team or the Lions are going to be in the NFC Championship game, no matter what. And then that's I think that's it's fascinating. It can change this quickly. What about the two personalities though, Baker versus Dan Campbell? I would love to see those two in a bar fight. Just have to say that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Dan Campbell, you know, I, I know a lot of people scoffed that you alluded to it, whether he was going to bite the kneecaps off and everything. But, man, hearing Marcus talk about what his son Jalen says about it, he's like, he loves him. That, that was the first thing. When I asked Marcus, I was just like, so what's, what does Jalen think about him? He's like, loves him, without hesitation. And you can kind of see what the, your, your, your former classmate, the GM, has said multiple times. Like, they wanted a certain type of player that – uh, was you know all about grit, and you hear these honky cliche things, but like I believe it with that team. No, I think you're right. You know, I really do too. Uh, th- th- they seem to have great morale, uh, whereas I thought that maybe the the coach was kind of a goofball uh, or a meathead, and he's he's none of those things. He's actually I think proven to be pretty emotionally. Uh, mature and and connected with these guys i've been i'm looking forward to every one of these games and we're talking about this uh, very quickly the ravens didn't play this weekend we're all obviously uh, utterly in the tank uh, for lamar around here this is the first time in his career that they that it's like a big boy offense and they've got real receiving weapons and rather than the team sort of falling apart down the stretch they're getting healthier uh, they got the week off they're going to be at home Mark Andrews is back. He's designated for his return. He's back at practice. Zay Flowers is back at practice. In his time in the league, I know 2019 they went in uh, to the playoffs and it was similar momentum, but this is without question the best chance Lamar has had uh, to be a Super Bowl quarterback since he's been in the league. Yeah, and I mean, unless you never know with uh, what the NFL wants to do, but it looks like in the driver's seat for an MVP season, Looks like he's going to be playing in 28 degrees at 4:30 on Saturday. Doesn't look like it. Just looks a little cloudy. So I'm always a little uh, concerned whenever I see those forecasts out there with the rain and just kind of slowing down Lamar Jackson and some of the weapons he has now. But no, like you said, I think the Ravens are definitely having the opportunity to uh, be in the driver's seat. The Texans have been another feel-good story, but I think with Lamar Jackson, what he's been able to do uh, in regards to this season and just kind of you know. Tell some of those naysayers out there, and I don't mean it from the other side of Reese Davis, <laughs> but uh, tell some of them out there and put some of that to bed. You know, he's he has been an absolute bright spot uh, for this league, and is going to have another MVP under his belt by what is he twenty seven? I mean, that's that's very very impressive, and, and just I never forget that. I know we're kind of going down to the NFL draft because I've heard some of the other guys. Uh, Bray, I thought Double D and Blank were talking about it this morning. It's just like that moment in the in- NFL draft of like he and his mom just like waiting to be called. Yeah. And then now he's on the cusp of getting another MVP. And look, this, now he's got some weapons too, as you've pointed out. So this should be uh, this should be a fun, fun game. I-, I love how they kind of take over the Saturday schedule too yeah. with uh, those four thirty games. He just turned twenty seven too, like nine days ago. Okay, so there you go. So have it. Underneath his belt, so some feel-good stuff to watch uh, as the NFL is taking over the sports calendar, it feels like. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here, and we'll return uh, to some things uh, a little bit locally here uh, with a very big game against North Carolina. We'll talk a little bit bit more uh, about uh, fallout, if any, uh, from NC State and just sort of where Louisville is, as well as a a ranking uh, from Jeff Goodman of of coaching hires that was not kind to Kenny Payne at all. So we'll talk about that as well here. On the other side, in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll have uh, Tyler Griever and Jeff Wall is going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour as well. So a full one here on The Drive on a Thunderbill. Be right back. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. 
Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Phil Baker. Oh, even better. Look at that. Like, just like over the course of a season, you know, you get better. Like, that intro, even better than from the from the very beginning. I appreciate that. Well done on that, guys. James Black and Tanner, baby. They're Frankenstein and it all. That's not even Frankenstein. That's just put together perfectly. It's like a game of operation without hitting the sides. Yeah, all credit to James right, Black. <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> Uh, to just to be clear, I'm glad. Uh, it's nice of you to say that. I was definitely giving all credit to James Bond, just like, <laughs> like in my mind, like I, rightfully so. Rightfully I already so. was, but I appreciate you guys uh, making sure that he gets it on the air uh, as well here. Uh, Phil, I I know you and I uh, messaging a little bit uh, earlier here uh, have both looked at this list in the Messenger for as much as the me- as long as it uh, continues to exist. Uh, the Messenger. Uh, Jeff Goodman put together this list of the worst hires in college basketball basically since 2000, right? So those he says the last 24 years or whatever since 2000. Uh, and some of these, some of these, one, I'd forgotten about. Some of these, I look at the, and they're, they're disasters for different reasons. Uh, but one thing that kind of sticks out to me at a couple of these before we get to the, the locally relevant one uh, is how, how some of these guys got as many years as they did. Uh, I'm looking at some uh, at this list with some of these guys like Sidney Lowe at NC State got five years, and you have he has Jerome Jerome Allen from Penn, thirty eight percent winning percentage over his career. He got six years. Terry Porter at Portland got five years. What's with these guys getting f- four and five and six years, having these horrendous uh, winning percentages? Why were we ever letting that happen? Yeah, you know, in a day and eight, well, lots changed in some of these coaches in terms of the the transfer portal and NIL. But no, I'm with you. It's just some that that's the Mitch Barnhart approach in terms. Well, minus the Billy Gillespie experiment there, but in ter- if you were focusing on football, that's maybe looking in the mirror and realizing where you are in the hierarchy of the sport, and quite frankly, just saying. This is going to take some time, and, and the AD being lockstep with the coach and, and buying into it. And it I, I fundamentally disagree with it being that being the situation with it. I think it's a win-now scenario for a lot of these things, but no, I, I think you get some ADs and some presidents and some coaches that sell them a dream, but they're saying it's going to take some time. But, you know, that, Ethan says this all the time, and on the post-game show, it's like you can trust your eyes sometimes, and I think that's where <laughs> some of these other – um, you know, situations may be a little bit different from Louisville. All right, so looking at this list, uh, it, a number of people have pointed out, uh, I'm looking at it, Phil, and maybe this helps explain the very thing I'm talking about, but uh, I'm looking at a number of guys who cult, who ended up coaching at their alma maters. I mean, you've got several of them. What Eddie Jordan and Kenny's obviously uh, on here. Patrick Ewing is on here. Matt Doherty on here. Sidney Lowe uh, is on here. Billy Gillespie on here. Twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I, you know what? Just I'm so happy you said that. I zoomed out of the article. I was like, did I already see this one? I, I So I was at 100% on my Zoom on my desktop, and then I went to like 50%, and I was like, oh, no, he is on here twice. <laughs> he And it's... He's one of those guys uh, and these hires that makes uh, makes you wonder, like, how is the like what happens in the interview process or what happens in the uh, background or, or like board of trustee vetting process or whatever that no one basically stops. Them oh, well, actually, this, guy, it's right? my dream job. Like just somebody that holds oh. their hand up at the back and just can like hit the red buttons like, well, actually, can can have you thought of this? It's my dream job. You know what you need, what ADs need, and you can figure out a better way to a better title 
for the position, but you need a devil's advocate. And I mean, like in the, 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 like what the actual term used to refer to. Are you familiar with like what it, the actual devil? No, I, I'm curious of it now. It's like, so whenever someone would be nominated for sainthood and they, you know, they sort of do this thorough vetting hmm. of like their whole lives and things that happen with them that are miraculous and testify, testimony to uh, divine blessing, all this stuff. And then they, basically there was an office of somebody is their job to try and punch holes. They were literally <laughs> the devil's advocate against that person. And ADs, you need one. You need somebody who you who you trust, even if you don't like, probably even better if you don't like him. Just run this by him. I'm thinking about hiring Billy Gillespie. What do you think? And then that person would be like, you've got to be kidding. How much time do you have? <laughs> you know, some, something like that. Something like that. I feel like maybe you could say, think about, would you rather pay this guy X amount of money or that buyout? Like, what do you want to do here? Because this is a ridiculous idea. I, I love this idea. We sh there needs to be a devil's advocate within the athletic department. You want to run some stupid, uh, should we make this a blackout with two days notice? No. You don't think you think that's a bad idea, Devil's Advocate? I I, I think we might be onto something here. So. so funny story, real quick. This is we can say this now because uh, Double D said it on the air. So uh, a while back, and I don't know if you were you were doing the two man game for sure, and definitely do the post game shows. I cannot remember on what show it was, but they wanted to do uh, when Bobby Petrito was rehired a remote from a Harley Davidson. <laughs> Again. Uh, the well, we should have done that. that yeah, agreed, but that would have been a great scenario in which a well actually person at the back, the devil's advocate, that could have spoke up and just say, "Hey, uh, maybe not. Let's do this for obvious reasons." But yes, I think that's a position that should be put up on the university's webs, all universities, not just here. But yeah, I think that would. But yeah, Billy Gillespie, you could see some issues, and my, God bless Mike Pratt. He said as much, uh, you know, in the at later years of. After the Billy Gillespie experiments, like, yeah, we had some folks that were not fans of that. But you know what they did in order to get that job? He beat Louisville the, at the tournament prior for Texas A&M. Yeah, you had the uh, prisoner of the moment there for sure. But some of the names, look, Billy Gillespie at, at Texas A&M, or excuse me, Texas Tech, you know, in his one year at Texas Tech, they went 8-23, and 23 and he was uh, fired rather quickly. Jeff Bisdelic drove everyone crazy at Wake Forest. Uh, they won 40% of their games. The one that pains me, Phil, and this is, bothers me a lot, is Kevin Stallings at Pitt on here at six, which feels low to me. Yeah. Uh, just given where they were and everything. Uh, but his winning percentage at Pitt was 37%. Uh, it will not come as a surprise to anyone. The lowest rate, the, the worst hire on here, according to Goodman, is he has Kenny at number one. Uh, 21%, like his winning percentage is almost double Kenny's. Do you know how badly that hurts my soul? Yeah, because we all think so little of Kevin Stallings. No, I, I, I'm i 100% with you. And the list, this is something we talk about a lot with, with current, Nick Curran on, and I on Sundays, is the thing, and, and Jeff Goodman says as much in here, but like in his first sense, his pain seemed like the perfect choice and he had the complete support to take over the program as former Louisville star who played in the NBA and worked as a longtime college assistant under um, at Kentucky under John Calipari and at Oregon. Now, the thing I go back to is just how everything during coaches' searches are, are covered from like a national perspective because I remember vividly like guys like Jeff Goodman saying this was going to be a home run hire and things like that. And you and I, I bring this up all the time just as an example. Like you got crushed multiple times for bringing up guys like Steve Forbes. Like, and just because it was a non traditional, yeah. sexy name that a lot of people weren't a fan. But I just caution you, regardless of what happens, and I don't want to go zero to coaching search on this topic, but the point is, this guy, Goodman, and, and I love the content that he puts out on the field of 68 with our buddy Jack Grossman, but this was somebody who's saying this was going to be a home run hire out there. So, again, I just caution folks at the next one, it may not be a, a traditional sexy name that excites you at first, but just know that this how this was covered the last go-around of just being laser-focused in on you know two guys, essentially, and Chris Mack and Kenny Payne, this is where it's gotten you. So maybe thinking outside the box and not necessarily having these traditional names could be okay. That's I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I, I would hope that there's just a lot more humility by everyone involved uh, in the next hiring process, either in, in vetting various people or in insisting that the person you now believe in 
uh, is just without question guaranteed to do well here uh, because you just mentioned, hey, uh, Jeff Gooden was one of those guys who was like, hey, this is going to be great. In particular, saying, well, if nothing else, you know, he's going to get you guys. And really, none of that has really played out that way uh, at all uh, with Kenny. But they they all almost always, to a man, said the exact same things about Chris Mack, too. Right. So this is sort of back-to-back guys where there was near uh, unanimity that these guys are going to be great. I really do wish there had I wish that if we felt like we had more freedom, either us locally or or people in general, I don't really feel like coaching hires get crushed nearly as much, uh, and maybe they shouldn't. But like, it would be nice if we could look back on somebody who was like, "I don't think Chris Maggett was going to work. I got real issues with that." Like, surely somebody saw these sorts of things. Like, was there anybody who really like substantive? Not, I don't like him, uh, or like this is political or something. But just who was like, you know, Kenny really doesn't do very well with this. You know, in my experience, he's got like I really do wish there had been more of that from somebody. But it, sometimes it feels like nobody wants to be the person who's critical of these things up front. Well, and, and you do, you hate going back. It's like, oh, I told you so because I, I always say like you can look at it in two different silos and, and both things can be true, which I know is a worn out phrase uh, on, on Sports Talk Radio. But I, I think when the, the Kenny Payne experiment with the recruiting and what you thought he was going to be. And then look, I mean, quite frankly, he got a top seven-ish, top 10 class with the transfer portal, depending on which sites you look at. But I had major concerns. Spencer was doing the show with us. It was like, yeah, Cal's coaching tree concerns me. Like, it's just, but you're kind of what Double D says. You're in the land of unbridled optimism. You got a new coach. You're excited. Yeah. And, and this isn't to shame anybody, but it's just saying like, these are things that, you know, the next person, if it's from, and I have, don't claim to know if, you know, what type of caliber coach they're with. It could be mid-majors. could be somebody at another Power Five if they do get to that after this season. Uh, but, you know, the, the, you can poke holes in in a lot of these uh, concerns that you have by saying, okay, uh, they haven't done X, Y, Z in the postseason. Okay, they've only they finished outside the top 50 in terms of recruiting. Like, those are tangible things. Like, Kenny Payne didn't have head coaching experiment, uh, experience. So, those are things that, you know, I just hope there's open dialogue amongst all the candidates, uh, you know, regardless of what happens in the years to come of any coaches and not just being so laser-focused on, you know, one guy. I think that will be very healthy for the overall surge. Yeah, this next search, I think it will be fascinating uh, to see. Uh, and look, I don't know about you, Phil. I haven't really changed my expectation at all. I you know, was on with Louie this morning, and he asked me about uh, the, the prospect of Kenny getting a year three. There's there's nothing that has changed for me, uh, in, in and I haven't heard anything that I would consider remotely credible from anyone uh, that, that leads me to believe anyone's thinking there's going to be a year three. And, and I'll include in that Kenny himself. Because I think if there was any chance that they were going to be here next year, and he thought that, they'd have some recruits lined up for next year, uh, and they don't. And I think that that matters. No, but I will say, and I heard you and Louie talking about this too, it's without knowing, and you guys have, you and Blank and, and Double D, and others have you know way more closer sources, dare I say, uh, to the situation than I could. But it is an interesting exercise to say, look, this isn't the – the Tom Jurchers, and that's not a slight on Josh by any means. By all accounts, he's been you know great for you know getting Jeff Brom and, and and doing so many things outside of just the world of basketball and football with some of the baseball and getting contract extensions with volleyball. Like he's been doing a lot of good. I'm just more so focused on it's like is he having and he said as much with the uh, WDRB piece that he did with Eric Crawford saying like he you know he can make his decision. But I'm just curious when. By all accounts, minus the Cron Davis stuff uh, and how that was handled, there really hasn't been um, off the court stuff with Kenny Payne that like you you think of him in, in a negative light, you know, like with some of the other things, like with the extortion and the other things that have gone there. So I don't know how much stock the president, uh, the board of trustees puts into that. Like when we talk about the positive, the deposits that Josh Hurd alluded to with the WDRB yeah. article, like he said, like, does he view and does the board of trustees and the president view the NC state game, although they played better, but didn't win. Is that deemed a positive deposit? 
Like the Miami win was a positive deposit. Is that considered, even in a losing effort, they played better. They still lost, which is what I <laughs> am holding his feet to the fire on, which I think needs to, it doesn't it needs to be about wins and losses. But is that considered a positive deposit with the way they played, even in a losing effort? I boy, Phil, I'm really sensitive to uh, the, the claim that any kind of looking for positives is is lowering the standard you know you hear that from right. people look how you know if, if you're not basically like a level 10 i rate over everything you're lowering the standards of louisville basketball but i i, I don't love that discourse at all i get tired of it it's it's tiresome to be constantly kind of accused of that but i will say this i view looking at the nc state game as positive as lowering the standard <laughs> and here's what here's for me uh, it was a chance to stack good on top of good, and and instead, uh, a, a challenged uh, NC State team offensively, who who was held into the fifties by North Carolina and by Notre Dame for crying out loud, and a bunch of like they've not been a good offensive team at all to shoot sixty percent, you know, in the second half of mm-hmm. that game and to and to, to score almost ninety points in that game. Uh, for me, uh, that if you, I think trying to make NC State into a positive. Uh, would be lowering. It's the first time I've, I ever felt myself being like, I'm not lowering the bar down to make that a positive. They lost the game to a uh, a bubble team at best, giving up 90 points at home. No way. I, I'm not letting that game become a positive. Just because it wasn't as bad as it has been doesn't mean it was good. Per- it, precisely. What you said there to, to finish out that sentence, if saying just because it ha- it's not as poor as you've seen doesn't mean it's better like the year and I think you said it yesterday with Biskin forgive me if it was uh last week but no it was yesterday because yesterday was Monday but you said the fact that they've if you would have seen this last year you would have it, it would have given you something to work toward and I think I, I, I'm there with you from the standpoint of this is some things that you can build toward with the second year of say almost being there playing better but you know you, you can see glimpses of it you can't have it in year two where you're not predicted to, to be like you need to get some of these wins because obviously you could like what you saw with Miami like you, you saw the games in which you could get there you've seen glimpses of it the the young pieces of the the, the team like with Curtis Williams like you can see positive pieces to what he's trying to do it's just like if they played a lick of defense and i know that you're gonna put people are gonna point to and they did on the sunday show of saying like look how many turnovers will have forced okay well did you see how many turnovers ill-advised like turnovers the Louisville had as well because offensively like they're playing really good basketball it's all the other stuff and that's the thing where it's like something's just not getting through to the players i don't know if it's the coaching thing or if kenny's gonna point to the players or things like that like just something isn't clicking defensively it just ticked me off because I like we saw like this past week they play their best basketball they have under Kenny Payne, and it's just more of a, like where has this been all year? Like if yes. you play like this against like DePaul, Arkansas State, even half the effort you put against NC State, Miami, you play that way against those schools, you have a better record and it's you know positive deposits that we can use that phrase. It's like you have all this stuff to work towards. Whereas like yeah, if this was last year, it's like okay we lost, it sucks, but we see this is going somewhere, and they just need to get better players. It's just, it ticks me off. It's like we could have been playing lights out all season and being so much closer to making Josh's do- job harder on is Kenny paying back or not. Now it's an easy decision. And I don't think it's – I think it's past point overturn, honestly, with Kenny Payne. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I do wonder – if maybe we can get a, a bit of an oral history from guys directly when this season is over, uh, if we're not going to look back on this, might sound ridiculous, but Karan Davis being the most important thing that happened at Louisville this year for and like continuing to be, yeah, sitting courtside I mean, with Mike James <laughs> at the women's game, right? Like when when the team looked like they had definitely kind of quit on him in the DePaul game and the Arkansas State game. That was when everything was really happening with Karan Davis. And it, it really does look like the team checked out on him, at least for a short period of time. Like there was a little bit of a protest, you know, for, for the way that that was going down, because like that's when those two losses that like I really felt like there was a good chance they, they were going to fire him after Arkansas State, you know, before the, the Pepperdine game uh, even. And that's when that stuff was going down. I do wonder if, 
with the benefit of full hindsight at the end of this thing after this year, if, we, if, if they end up making having to make a move because things aren't uh, nearly good enough, if we're not going to look at right then and, and just the weird handling of a, of a situation, very much giving away that he's a rookie head coach or, you know, second-year head coach early in the second year, uh, the mishandling of that had real, like, on-the-court implications for the way a bunch of guys played because you can tell a difference since then. Well, and two, I think it was the former uh, Elijah Muhammad who played under Patino. He tweeted out like he played pickup with Karan Davis and said he can play, like he can. Play. So to your point, they say like it, he could have been helpful. I understand if it was a disciplinary uh, issues and, and everything. Going back to the verbal altercation from the athletic piece that they were talking about. So I, I'm just curious, big picture, if had he, I mean, Kenny just wasn't going to budge and some of the players went in on behalf of him to say like, hey, we could use him. He just wasn't going to budge on that because, you know, he's building this brick by brick. But when you're number one on the messenger, which by the way, as I'm saying this out loud, I'm surprised it's not on the field of 68 uh, as well. It's like you got a double dip there, Jeff Goodman. But, um, you know, I, I, he has this as his worst hire and it's like, man, like, and then just somebody who was so just in on like this was going to work and now he's his worst hire from and, and and that's the machine that that is the machine of college athletics and sports it's like you know it, it's great until it isn't and that's where I think where Gary Parrish has said it um you know over and over again it's like the the sport is littered with nice assistant coaches that just are not a close and I hate going zero to this but it, it was the aha moment for me where I was like man I was like what Parrish said right there that was that like hit, hit me right in my face where I was like Oh, that's what I've been trying to say how I feel for so long. And that's what I think because you see glimpses of it, but it's just not it's just not consistently. And like there's been nothing that because WDRB did a piece on this uh, today where Crawford and Bozich were going back and forth saying it's like sorting through Louisville basketball standards versus expectations. And I think it's a fascinating read of just like you're seeing instances in which they're playing better, but it's at times not correlating to wins. What does that mean, big picture? It's like, well, from Rick Bozich, and if you follow him on Twitter slash X, you know what he feels about this. Like, his standard says, don't get blown out. He said, the best I could hope for is that they steal one or three somehow. And Eric Crawford said, it's tough when you're defining success by anything other than winning games. I do think they need to be competitive. And when it's a, it's a results-driven business where you are you are who you are based off wins and losses. And I know I do a show infamously with a gentleman that says snake bit all the time. And it, at times it can feel like Louisville basketball, uh, Giddy paid have been snake bit. But I mean, with this, like you can't be snake bit all the time because you know what? That's you just constantly walking into the, the snakes den over and over again. If you're doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And right now, uh, although they are playing better, it's just not the, the minus the Miami win. Um, it, it needs to correlate to a win. in those NC state type games. Yeah, that's funny that you say that about uh, being snake bit. My parents used to always say that. You'd blame all the bad luck for all sorts of things that go wrong, and, and they would always say, you're either not taking enough responsibility here or you're the unluckiest person ever. Uh, and when you put it like that, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the situation that we find ourselves in as well. We'll talk about this with Tyler Grieber from the WDRB on the other side here on The Drive on Nintendo. Be right back.